the FIA continues to make headlines, Red Bull wins another championship, Austin gives us another thriller, and you are going to love the way Ruben says peace. Let's jump the start. What's up, everybody? Welcome in Jump to Start Racing Podcast. You back again. I'm here with Ruben. How are you doing today? What's going on, guys? Yancey. Hi. Another spectacular Ferrari weekend for Yancey. Woo! Guys, on today's episode, we will talk FIA procedural changes that have come uh, after the last couple of Grand Prix. Cost cap news continues. Actually, not even news, just rumors. Continue to swirl. Some rules clarifications, uh, sponsorship news, and of course, we will be recapping the United States Grand Prix dr- down in Austin. Everything's yeah. bigger in Texas, right, boys? Including that big ass American flag on turn one. One of the biggest I've ever seen. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I've, I've seen a lot what, of flags in my life. Too. I've been in Texas a few times, and I every time I drive on the highway, you just see these big American flags and Texas flags all over the highway. So, I mean, it's pretty big. So was the crowd, too? Yeah. Well, it had a big Texas flag, too, at the other, at another hairpin over there, too. I forgot what's the turn, but. Before we jump into it, guys, I want to make sure you follow us at Jump to Start of One on Twitter and Instagram. Also, Jump to Start Racing Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to leave a review if you haven't already. It is the best way for people to find us. So if you enjoy the comment, commentary, please uh, leave a review. I'm going to do it. Ruben, how was your weekend? <laughs> Definitely too short. <laughs> but I slept a little more this weekend. Yeah, because the Yankees lost. No, no. I slept a little more <sighs> Sunday morning as well because we didn't have to wake up early to watch oh, the race. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you know what? I'll give you that uh, next week too. How about that? There I'll you give go. you that bonus Thank time. you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so jumping into it, the news. The FIA is set to implement procedural changes after the Japanese Grand Prix incidents. So this is an article on uh, Formula1.com based on what happened with safety or vehicle recovery equipment on the track without drivers being aware. There are some modifications to the procedures that are forthcoming among them. FIA will message teams via the official messaging system to notify them that a recovery vehicle is on track. The team is then obliged to tell their drivers. A live VSC slash safety car monitoring window will be developed. This will display the status of all cars on track behind the safety car and in the pits. The governing body will better define the allocation of tasks across the racing team. The FIA director will speak to the drivers during their regular post-Friday briefing session. A new function will allow a change in the delta speed required for the driver to follow before and in the sectors where there is an incident and a whole bunch of other stuff. In addition, actually, (laughs) no, no, it's just been going on for a long time. Niels Wittich will permanently take on the role of race director for the final four remaining races in 2022 rather than sharing his position with Eduardo Freitas, who was in charge at Suzuka. So that's a little bit of a penalty. Mm. For Eduardo. Yes. What do you guys think? 
Hold on, they, that, that's the reason why they penalized him for the whole no, thing? no, no, that's just me saying? speculating. Oh, I was about to say. What so do you guys now, think? So now the racers don't have a red button next to him that he could press. <laughs> The red button is a meme, isn't it? No, no. Also, yeah. So it's a red button next to the vehicle press to alert all the drivers. Hey, something's happening on the track. Okay. Well, I mean, they should have that. Long time. Yeah. And it really should be going to the teams, not the drivers. There you go, yeah. Why wasn't this implemented after Jules Bianchi's death? Just saying. So let's, let's, let's give him a little. Somebody has to. You know what? Not somebody doesn't even have to die for them to put these things in. No, yeah, it's part of. Let's say they at least they're they're trying to. They they've implemented some safety procedures and they've been covering you know little loose ends that always happens when you implement something new. I guess you know like the, in everything you that you do, there's always little loopholes that come around and you have to just pretty much cover the little just little patches, and they come with little regulations like this to make it better. These are not little patches. I know, but things letting, have... letting an F one an F one driver that is on track going close to hundred miles an hour uh, in the rain that there is a recovery vehicle on track after a driver died because of that at the same track patch. at the same track. It's not a little patch. No, no. When I say a little patch, because why it wasn't done before? I get what you're saying. It's just surprising that it wasn't done before or it has not happened before. Because remember, we're still racing. We're still going around after, you know, obviously, unfortunately, Jules Bianchi's death was, what, 2014? Mm-hmm. Jules Bianchi's incident was 2014. So we had almost 10 years later and nothing close, not to his to his incident, but such a, an alarming safety, you know, unsafe procedure happening. It took eight years to be clarified. I see it maybe happening the following year, and it would probably not be as alarming as it is now, because it's been eight years since this humongous incident happened, you know, over a safety procedure of this magnitude, and now they're still trying to clarify eight years later because things still happen. Here is the issue that I have with the FIA, considering that one of the many issues. Well, is the. And Yancy lost the channel thought. No, it, because you killed my thought. <laughs> um, at any company that you go to or anywhere that you go to, especially when you're going to identify potential problems, meaning that you're going to identify potential problems, meaning that you act proactively in mm-hmm. order to avoid many of these issues. What we're talking about is one of the most highly sophisticated sports leagues mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. So what you should be doing is considering that you have almost 70 years of racing knowledge, records, history, incidents, you should be able to game for certain things to happen, meaning that you act proactively to avoid these things. What the FIA has shown and F1 has shown is that they act reactively meaning that things must happen in order for you to take action mm-hmm. and you we're going to talk about later about the whole row hoop thing that is the, that is a reactive measure that they are taking now because you had a driver who almost got his if it wasn't because of the 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 halo would would have gotten seriously injured we'll t- again we'll talk about that later in the, in the podcast but 
I think that's this is something that considering that there was a death of a driver at the same circuit, considering in the same circumstances where these monsoon conditions have always happened as Azuka, what you're doing now is that you're implementing these rules reacting to a driver who got pissed off on the radio and they were trying to cover it up and the drivers didn't let them gotcha. cover it up. They're reacting to that. And now they're putting these measures in when they should have been done a long time ago when somebody did die because of it. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were doing a lot or some of these things between 2014, Jules Bianchi's death, and now. And it's just that they've gotten lax in a bunch of this stuff. So we've seen in our time watching F1, for example, that safety cars have become less and less called as they're needed. Like, they're, they're for some reason, they just tend to have called them later than when they were supposed to have come out. We've seen that happen. And, and it's hard to, because we're not on the radios and we can't hear what the teams are saying, you know, 100% of the time. But I, I bet you that, you know, when uh, Charlie Whiting was around, that, you know, that there was this communication. Or, and maybe this is just kind of a snap back to where things were supposed to be more of a correction based on what's happened i don't know i feel like some of this stuff is just so obvious that i can't believe in my mind that they didn't already do it that's what i'm saying it it, you can literally game these things and make this can come up this could happen considering all again the catalog of incidents that have happened throughout 70 years of racing right you can game how these things are going to play out or what could happen and you can put in a regulation. Again, this happened before and a driver died. It was 10 years ago. This is something that should be already in place. And again, you were reacting to the circumstances instead of being proactive and putting these rules in effect so this does not happen again. We're talking about people's lives here. We're not talking about getting an injury. We're talking about people's lives. Yeah, I mean, there's not much further to say to that. Other than, like, the more I think about it, there there has to have been some loss between from going from Charlie Whiting to Michael Massey to where we are now that, like, maybe things just kind of fell off. And maybe that's part of why Charlie Whiting was so beloved that yeah, he was yeah. just kind of like somebody that was just always around and always on top of things. And maybe... We just didn't get uh, to it, see it, it. It just seems like, for example, you have, even now, you have a lot of these F1 teams that are moving to a more of like a corporate structure where you have different levels of management where things, where they, they're basically setting up a, a process and a system. We've seen this. The most famous example is, uh, was it the the, uh, the the guy with the bar that had a, John Ta- John Taffer was it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Bar rescue, bar rescue, where he says, "Oh, there has to be a uh, or John uh, Lemonitis." He's like, "There has to be a process. You got to put in a process." The in profit. A business. Uh, yeah, but like, yeah, 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 for the profit. You know, but there has to be a process in a business, and you're seeing a lot of these teams move to that structure now. Recently, right before it was almost like you had one head guy and everything. Everybody did their jobs, but there wasn't a process. There wasn't the structure this corporate structure where if somebody leaves and then somebody can come in and replace them. No, you, 
that person leaves and he leaves with all the knowledge. And I think that's what happened with the race director role. Char it was famously known that Charlie Whiting was there for years, but he used to do the job of five. And when he, uh, you know, uh, after his untimely death, they just couldn't, they didn't have a process in order to put somebody else in. They can just fit in and do the job. So it's just like a fly-by-night solution, and this is what you're getting. Jeez. Anything else to say here, boys? The cost cap conundrum, I don't know. So let's go Aston Martin first. They're close to an agreement. Dr. Mike Crack, not Dr. Mike Crack has uh, the Aston Martin. <laughs> That's his name. That's his name. No, Mike, Mike Crack, Crack is his name, but he's naming the doctor. <laughs> doctor. No, uh, Mike Crack has stated that they are close to an agreement with the FIA. Um, that their issue is primarily tied to a a, a tax issue uh, within the UK. Yeah, Red Bull used that excuse as well. But. Well, is it an excuse? It's a rumor. It's a rumor. It well, it's part of it. Oh. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. <laughs> he he distracted me like Ruben distracted me. <laughs> so who who they were using? TurboTax? <laughs> they don't have an, an accounting firm or something to do the taxes that knows the tax law. <laughs> no, so look, the Williams. They use MoneyGram. MoneyGram, there you go. <laughs> the Williams case uh, involving the late submission of documents by a third party accounting firm was settled with a $25,000 fine earlier this year. That's just for late documentation. Mm -hmm. We don't know what uh, the agreement is with Aston Martin and FIA. And the FIA, um, they're saying that it's. Um, a complex issue. He doesn't want to talk about it until the agreement has actually been reached. So they're just waiting to determine what's going on there. Oh my god! And that's the procedural breach, by the way. Yes, you saw smiles over there. Mm -hmm. Oh no! Go ahead. I'm, I'm you wait for the next one. Waiting for the next one. <laughs> Listen, pay, put some respect on his name, Dietrich Matisich. Matisich. Matisich mm -hmm. passed away. Is it a Matisich? Hold on. Don't know. Dietrich Matisich Matisich passed away, and that mm -hmm. puts the uh, Red Bull and FIA cost cost cap talks on hold. Mm -hmm. Out of respect, so yes, yes yeah, I, I express some respect on his name, please. No, no disrespect to Dietrich. Didi, yeah, no disrespect to him. Dude was a pioneer in many areas of business. Um, we all, motorsport. In general, well, whatever. We'll we'll get to this whole thing. But mm -hmm. so there's rumors swirling with within Red Bull. So not within Red Bull, but within this whole cost cap thing. So number one, it's that UK tax, mm -hmm. similar to what Aston Martin was claiming. That kind of that was a large portion of the amount of money that they were over. Mm -hmm. Further, that there was a lot of. Um, Spare parts that they created for the car that ultimately didn't they did not end up using last season that was during their development um as part of the rules I'm trying to get this correct as part of the rules if you developed parts for your car that you then didn't use that was not associated with your budget cap midway through the season I think in June or July. The FIA changed the rule saying, yes, that is part of your cap. So now. That's pretty obvious to me. I I, I would think that it should be because I would just develop a million different I mean, I'm, things. I'm, I'm nobody. But, I'm not an accountant. But if, if you're working, if you're working within the rules, I would say, well, what, what, you know, you guys just changed the rules. Like it's 
kind of screwed up during the middle of the season to yeah kind of change that. But that's kind of the uh, and then obviously the catering. <laughs> Max eating us chicken McNuggets. Chicken McNuggets. <laughs> oh, no, no, they're in Texas. So Whataburger, right? Whataburger. <laughs> they have not, yeah, as we talked about, they put their uh, talks on hold. But there were times last week where the reporting was that they just didn't even want to talk to each other. They were just so incensed at each other. Uh, uh, Mohammed Salayim and uh, Christian Horner. <laughs> Here is the the. I I saw a very uh, great video by the race. Here we go. This morning on the negotiations <laughs> that uh, Red Bull and the FIA are having. Now stated within the agreement that was signed about the cost cap, mm-hmm. there is a clause similar to what we call a plea agreement here in the U.S. courts. Okay. Where it's called the ABA, uh, which stands for Accepted Breach Agreement. Okay. Okay. Listen to how that sounds. Accepted Breach Agreement, meaning that both parties come to accept a breach and come to an agreement on what the penalty should be. Now, I plead you. Exactly. Now, we were under the impression that. (laughs) Here we go. If you break the rules, these are the penalties. Okay. And we laid it out last week's podcast, and I think even two weeks ago, all of the potential punishments that a team gets. Okay. Now, the reason why this was put in place is because if they go through this entire process of giving these teams penalty, you can go to the appeals court and it can last anywhere from six to nine months. Mm-hmm. This is all F, the smells of F1 politics. It stinks, meaning that. These rules have the potential to having no teeth at all mm-hmm. to the point where teams just want to get it over with. They accept that they broke the rules and they accept the punishment that is negotiated, not the punishment that it requires, the, that, the punishment that is negotiated. And that is the first step in this process after it has been discovered that you broke the rules. This is absolutely stupid. This gives those rules absolutely no teeth at all. And honestly, if the teams know that they can negotiate and they have the right lawyers and they have the right Mm -hmm. financials in order to pay these lawyers, these good lawyers, you can practically get away with a slap on the wrist. Isn't that like real life though? So, but we're under the impression that this is not the case. That the teams must abide by these or they are going to get punished. Go ahead, Ruben. No, I was going to say, so a couple of years back. Here we go. I knew you were going to go this route. You look at Yancey, you know, had Yancey stands. But a couple of years back, we had a similar situation 
even worse than mm-hmm. obviously we don't know the extent of their you know rebels breach but we had a, a red team <laughs> that they you did say it is ferrari ferrari and they did something major Yes. That up to this day, we have no idea what the hell it was. Because yes. they negotiated. They negotiated behind closed doors, and nobody said anything. I never I never said that 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 should have been done. I always said that that stinks. Gotcha, okay. I, never, I was never... I'm not, not that pro-Ferrari. You, you denied it. You were a uh, uh, Ferrari cheating denier. Yes, for a long, for a long yeah, time. Yeah, because I wanted to get under your guy's skin. Oh, now, now you smile no, no, about no, it. Yeah. Now you're smiling about it. So no, congratulations, <laughs> you played yourself. No, but that was wrong by what the FI, those negotiations with Ferrari, and then and then what's even worse now? This is what they're saying. This is what Christian Horner is saying mm-hmm. that at least now when they come to this agreement, it's going to be transparent and they're going to let everybody know what the agreement was. I doubt it. I doubt. But that's the whole point. That's why I'm saying this stinks because they did it with Ferrari and that was completely wrong and it shouldn't have been done that way. And now it seems like they're going to do it they're going to do it this way again with the first team to break the 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 cost cap rule which in my opinion and most people's opinion is was going to make F1 a bit more competitive. But all right. So the the issue it, the issue is that there's so much still swirling out there that we don't know in what way they broke it. So, like, those things that they've been spitting out, crap, it actually makes sense. Like, okay, taxes. The two teams broke it. Like, it, if it was just them on their own, okay, that's one thing, right? But if two teams had that issue, okay, maybe maybe there was just something that, like, slipped by both of them. That whole parts thing, if th- there was a legitimate rule change, I, I understand that, and I agree, it's kind of stupid to not rein that in because then you could just kind of test everything mm-hmm. and say, oh, no, I was just making you a part. Use it. Yeah. I agree that, but like just not knowing what the penalty, what made them go over the cost cap kind of handicaps any discussions. But as far as the punishment goes, if you're the FIA, Right. And these are two teams. Right. And if something happens with Mercedes, this is going to be the same problem. Ferrari, for example, a couple of years ago and now Red Bull, they are such large entities within the sport of Formula One and in racing in general, that how do you realistically punish these guys when they could say, you know what, I'm walking away. I'm out of here because it's going to hurt your sport to lose those big teams. So, like, if Red Bull pulls out, that's two teams gone. Ferrari pulls out. That is a major fan base. So, yeah, I understand I understand that um, they have to be punished, and I agree that they should be punished, but I don't know how the FIA can realistically... I, I feel like Ferrari's constantly threatening to leave, for example. Um, I just... To me, it's, just, it's a little weird that we're at this point where McLaren, they find them $100 million. And McLaren was huge back then, back when they had the issue with Spygate. Uh, Spygate. You say Spygate. People say Spygate. I always think Bill Belichick. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how the FIA can realistically whoop them and, you know, keep the enthusiasm going from them. All I'm saying is that Three teams have breached the rules so far, and three of them have taken the agreement. 
Two. One. Three teams have ta- have breached two, have it, two of them. One well, of them Red Bull is, is about to is negotiating an agreement. What one of them, yeah, but they're negotiating. One has taken an and, agreement, and, Williams, and, and, and one, that was published. Williams, the, that was published. Aston Martin's close to an agreement, it, and then it's and, and then it's rumored that Red Bull that Red Bull is in talks with an agreement as well. So that's going to be three out of three. Yeah, but I mean, they have to agree to something. Don't break the rules, you get punished. Yeah, but they they have to agree to a punishment. I don't know. It's just it's a it's a tricky situation to be on, and. For the first year that they're actually, you know, going through the rules and the, and, the, and the breaches and stuff like that, I'm actually surprised only three teams violated it too. You know, only broke it because the first time it's going around, like we know, it's totally new to us, whatever. That's probably that's probably all the issues that are going through. It's totally new. Well, we didn't know this wasn't included. That clarified this. We didn't know this. You know, that's all the all the talks, all the cheap talks are going about it. It's back and forth. This with is the way like things are gonna play out in the next few years. These cost cap rules will no longer be in effect. So you're seeing the, the, the cost cap going out the window. I don't Because you're negotiating so. your punishment. I don't man. think so. There's no way. No, no, no. I see it. I think two years from now, it will not be negotiated the way Rob was trying to do it. Correct. Because, because now it's really been implemented. Now it's established. But yeah. Dude, that's part of the bylaws. You get me? That is the process that you go through when you are, meaning that you have, as a team, if you break the, if you're found to be breaking the rules, you mm-hmm. have the option of agreeing to your punishment or just taking the punishment as stated in the rules. That is the process, and that's not going to be taken out because that's only a benefit to the team, and that's the reason why three out of the three teams that have broken it are going the agreement route because at least they can they can lower their get, punishment. Get a, get something less well, harsh. Yeah, yeah, it's like getting a speeding ticket, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm fighting it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see this going by the wayside because teams went from spending three or four hundred million to a hundred and fifty million. There's no way that they will go back to that. And they're being and they're super profitable too. Oh, we'll yeah. see. All right. I know is that uh, Zach Brown called Christian Horner a cheater, and he was pissed. dude at the bar. They were chanting it. Red Bull <laughs> cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So more rules stuff. FIA fine tunes. Rules on roll hoops and grid penalties ahead of the U.S. Grand Prix. Obviously, ahead of the U.S. Grand Prix. So, due to or as part of the, um, I guess, the repercussions from the crash with uh, Zhou Guanyu flipping over and sliding across a lot of the track and out into the, basically into the crowd, the catch fence at the British Grand Prix, the FIA has kind of adjusted Article 12.4.1 of their technical rules. They center around the principle of the role structure. They are including a rewording of the text to state it must be able to support a 15G vertical impact. They're using like the Ironman metal or something. <laughs> what does he use? He uses nanotech. I don't know. In the movies, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but they, he was a Monaco in Iron Man 2. Yep, yep. Anyway. um, Anything to keep. It, it's one of those, to me, it's just continuing improve, continuous improvement on their design of the cars, the monocoque, et cetera, for driver safety. Mm-hmm. No, that's, it should be because that row hoop um, was literally shaved off the car. Well, I don't think that the impact did that it was more the sliding yeah yeah it was shaved off the car that's exactly what it was but 
thank god th- thank god for the 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 halo um because that would have been ugly the reason why i made that comment about the iron man metal whatever is because if you're looking at the car and you see just what the halo is we're not talking about a massive piece you know piece that you could say, oh, it's like six inches thick and this and that, you know? Did you hear that too? You said piss. <laughs> okay, to go to the bathroom. <laughs> We're not, the bathroom. Yo, you're not looking at a, at a you know, like a, a massive piece of metal. It's just a, a hoop. <laughs> Come on. Thank you for saying that. Though. Okay. Like you focus so much on it. <laughs> I can't even be serious at one point. Now you, now you no, no, say, like now the, you say massive piece and it's massive piece. The actual, <laughs> the actual ornament on the car. <laughs> okay. no, this is a Christmas tree. I'm just trying to look for another word. The, so structure, say, the structure? The actual yeah. structure that's on the car compared to what is meant, you know, all the forces that is meant to hold and all the, like, you know, I think back then it was like, it was supposed to hold the weight of like a, a double decker British bus, whatever stuff like that. Yeah, but oh, okay. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. For these, for this little. But if the halo is supposed to hold that, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be, um, wouldn't the row hoop have to hold the same thing? I thought we were talking about the halo. That's what no, I'm saying. No, we're talking about the row hoop, which is the thing on top of the halo, oh, above sure, the man. driver's head. Gotcha, gotcha, by the air intake. Yeah, the row hoop is basically a hoop inside the structure. And mm-hmm. when the car flips over. Like what the point compared to what cars? No. It's basically a hoop. It calls it a hoop because it's like a hook. That's where mm-hmm. they actually pull the cars from. Okay. When they, when they have to put a tractor out. That structure, when the car rolls over, mm-hmm. is supposed to just stop the car like flattening out so it, the, the driver's head doesn't yeah. get straight into the concrete. And then you have the halo. The issue with Joe Guan Yu's um, crash was mm-hmm. that he slid and that row hoop came off. Ooh. When he was sliding across, it was literally shaved off. Gotcha. Yeah. And then it went onto the halo, and the halo was actually was the one that saved the hell. Yeah. So if so if the halo can hold that much weight, wouldn't the whole row hoop have well, to be required right. so to hold that much weight? The we're talking about. We're talking about mass and a force. The 15 Gs is a force. Mm-hmm. The weight of a of a gotcha. double decker yeah, bus is is, is mm-hmm. mass, right? Uh, separate from that, we're talking about a the the impact wasn't what affected the the roll hoop. It was the slide, which is just I guess wearing Scraping away. Off. Yeah, it's yeah, wearing away at mm-hmm. the. I don't know, and that wraps up my uh, engineering hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so further on, you know, as part of the the rest of the Formula One article uh, w- regarding grid penalties, regarding the sporting regulations, the procedure to determine grid positions after multiple penalties have been applied has now been clarified. In Italy, nine drivers had grid penalties for power unit component or gearbox changes with some confusion as to how they would line up for Sunday's race. Starting from this weekend's United States Grand Prix, classified drivers who have received 15 or less grid penalty positions will be allocated a temporary grid position equal to their qualifying classification. So if a driver qualifies 10th and they have penalties totaling 15 spots, they will be placed in a temporary position of 25th on the grid. Should two or more drivers share the same temporary position, the driver who finished lower in qualifying will keep that position and the faster driver will be placed immediately ahead. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. I guess sense. it does. Yeah. So if you're 10th, 9th, 8th, or whatever, then you'll be ahead of the 20th, the 10th guy. 
the yeah that way we keep out of the 893 grid penalty uh mclaren yeah like the mclaren olden days it was confusing and it was we talked about it during there during the spa right Mm -hmm. i think the the belgian grand prix uh i'm sure we'll talk about it in brazil because that's a, a good track for this too but it just gets to a point where there's so many penalties, it just eliminates the idea of, okay, qualifying is actually worth something. Yeah. Especially when qualifying this weekend was pretty good, too. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. The whole weekend was actually pretty good, but we'll get to it. USA. Mm. USA. <laughs> anyway. More rules. Haas F1 protests seeking consistency from FIA stewards. So this is, I'm jumping actually towards after this race. The U.S. Grand Prix. So, there was a lot of black and orange Halloween decorations for Kevin Magnuson flags because he was driving the car in an unsafe... Uh, the car itself was in an unsafe condition. So... Who gets a lot of black and orange flags? The car's falling apart, man. It's held together by duct tape and bubblegum. Just like a true American staple. Um, <laughs> so, Fernando Alonso and Sergio Perez... This race, the U.S. Grand Prix, they had issues with parts flying off of the car, but the rules were not applied to them in an even fashion, meaning they didn't get the black and orange reprimand that Kevin Magnuson had received. Mm-hmm. But the, the I think the Kevin Magnuson situation was different because it was different but similar to Alonso because Alonso's mirror kept flapping just like uh, Magnuson's end plate kept flapping. Sergio Perez wouldn't, like, I believe, like, half a lap or a lap, he flew off. But that's the dangerous condition. Of course. But he can't hold that, you know? Uh, okay. Understood. Remember, Magnuson was, did a couple of laps, and I told him, no, you have to come in and change it. Okay. If, I, if my, incident happened, my incident happened a couple of a couple of turns ago, and the freaking thing flies off, I can't control that. Now, if I keep going with the thing flapping, well... I I agree here. I, you agree because, with Ruben or with no with 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 Haas? Good, I'm glad because I don't agree with Ruben either. Because <laughs> if something's flapping around at these speeds, something's gonna come fly off. No, that's why I said that, that the Paris situation that was good, but the Alonso no. Uh, correct, correct. Yeah, I got you, but it's like if something's just flying around, just you're gonna have to pull in. That's why. No, that's why I said that if the incident happened right now and a couple of turns later it flies off. You can't do anything I about it. I can't do nothing about it. That's the Paris situation, pretty much. Oh, that's fine. But when we go no, back... Paris was flying around with that for a few laps already. No, his no. end plate came off, and he just was going around without an end plate. Yeah, without an end plate. Okay. But that was like that, the same lap when, when, Yeah, same lap. Okay. What normal racers do, if the end plate come off, either when they pit, they change the wing, or they just... Like Hamilton's done in the past. His end plate flights off, and he keeps yeah. going. But that's <laughs> happened. What happened to Magnuson was, he had damage to the wing, and he did a couple of laps with the end plate being loose, and that's when he was forced to come in, which what the FIA or the race officer should have done with Alonzo with the mirror. Correct. This is yet another rule that's going to have to be clarified. Yes. Well, that's what they're working on it. Yeah. It has to be, there has to be a system set up where the FIA notifies the team, you know, mm-hmm. or the team on their own says the driver has to come in within that lap. And, yeah. And that's it. That's, that's the only it. way you Because avoid. it's just, it's like if, if you have anything flying around in an F1 car, eventually... It could come off or it won't come off, but most of the time it does come off. And if it does come off, it is 
a, uh, a weapon flying. Yeah, literally, if a weapon flying across the track, if anybody hits it, something dangerous could happen. So, look at a let's, let's go back with something flying off a car, the Felipe Massa incident. Yep, mm-hmm. and that was something like a mechanical part that just flew off. Nothing that there was. They saw, you yeah. know, like they see that it could ha- it could fly off, knock them out. Yeah, that's super dangerous. That has to be. That has to. They have to set up another system for that. So. Mm-hmm. Again, there's so many incidents that that has happened throughout the years that I'm surprised they don't have a system in place for right them. away for it. Yep. Or at least open up a book. Okay, if this happens, it's, okay, we're gonna lose right away. Yeah. Okay, moving on and finally away from the rules. Ahead of this weekend's United States Grand Prix, Haas announced that the payment company MoneyGram will act as their title sponsor from 2023 season onwards. The arrangement between the two U.S.-led operations is set to include team naming rights and a livery change. Seen that before? Same colors. Right, red, white, and blue. No, no. Um, Same colors as Haas. Meanings red, red and white, red, white and black. So, the the delivery change won't be that's impactful. It's not yeah, as yeah. rich energy I mean, style. You probably well, and it it's a more reputable company. MoneyGram no, no, is a no. company that's obviously a worldwide company that operates all over the world, and it does have the resources. Mm-hmm. No, and I said to the rich sponsor energy sponsor an F one team. So. When I said the the rich energy style was, I meant. The color. way the color, yeah, the, the color way the, the color scheme yeah. changed so much, so drastically. Yeah. yeah, but the livery. I mean, the livery should look cool, but it'll be the same color scheme as a previous Haas livery, which is like a red, white, and black, or even a gray. Um, I'm what I'm excited about is just that it, it's an actual. They finally signed a deal with an actual reputable company that is not going to have an issue paying them. Yeah. <laughs> Gunter Steiner Mo- money says, <laughs> moves a lot of money yeah. we can now go to the limit of the budget cap and then everybody is on a similar platform I always say with the budget cap in the mid to long term there shouldn't be this problem anymore that you can't fight for podiums that is what we want to do and with this team I think we can make the step that in a few years we can fight for podiums hopefully not a few years but nice. you know it's a good cash infusion it's going to be weird if they're called the MoneyGram Haas team. Actually, it'd be kind of cool, to be honest. MoneyGram Haas. Here comes the money. Yeah. <laughs> the money team. Floyd Mayweather. Can't as wait sponsor. for the name change. Do you want what they say? Yeah. Speaking of money, Cha-ching! it's a. I guess it's official because it's on Forbes. Uh, ESPN agrees to multi-year extension with Formula One, including streaming rights. Actually, it wasn't official before. They were still in negotiations, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, Formula One is sticking through, or sticking with ESPN, ABC, and the Disney family of channels through 2025. The, hold on, where was the uh, dollar amount? 580... Two hundred and fifty-five million over three years. Eighty-five million a year coming from from Disney. No, five million a year is their current deal. Oh, you right? mean coming? I'm sorry, I misunderstood your question. Yes, the current deal right now is five million per year. The new deal is for five uh, two hundred and fifty-five million over three, which equates to eighty-five million a year. Per year, yeah. That means that Disney is paying Formula One. 
85 million a year for their TV rights. 17 times. Mind you, Disney is the parent company of ESPN. So mm-hmm. 17 times what they were paying this year. Congratulations, uh, Formula One and Liberty Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Netflix. And I ESPN, guess. yeah. Congrats, congrats to them. Because NBC was behind us. Well, Amazon wanted a piece of it. Netflix, you, know, you mentioned Netflix, but yeah. Jeez, so, just so, just so uh, you get a, a a reason why ESPN is paying so much money for this. Um, first of all, the Miami Grand Prix earlier this year drew in 2.6 million viewers. In the U.S.? In the U.S. Average before the Drive to Survive, well... Average last year, not this year. Average last year, the viewership was 949,000 viewers per race. This year, it's averaging 1.2 million viewers per race. So, so it's a, almost a more third eyeballs, more. Eyeballs, yes. Can't more eyeballs the, on the product, meaning they pay more. Can't wait for the numbers to come up on this week and see what happens. Yeah, so I, I was going to say that, and I'm very curious because... I don't know if there's anything that America loves more than football right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this week, the the I'm always I'm always torn. You guys, the guys here know me. I'm always torn for this weekend and the Mexican Grand Prix because they're always up against football. And I was sitting there on my phone watching the Giants game, six and one. And, <laughs> uh, six and one. I'm still not convinced. Uh, me neither. But I'm whatever. I'm having fun. But yeah, I mean, our team is winning, but I'm not convinced. You saw how quickly he said our team. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My team. You guys can come along for the ride. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I want to see what the numbers are compared to Miami Grand Prix versus uh, the Austin Grand Prix and, and where they kind of slot in, right? Mm-hmm. The only issue is that it's not going to be apples to apples because there's no champion. Like, the championship was over. Right, so pretty much. It. It was nice to watch the race yesterday, but it was like, eh, it was like. Did it feel like there were more celebrity as uh, celebrities at this race or the Miami? Miami, 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 Miami for sure. Okay. Granted, they you wouldn't know that because all they showed was Brad Pitt the whole time. <laughs> 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 he got a huge pop. At, By at the, the way, yeah, he's uh, he he's on the making movie, a movie, yeah, yeah, a Formula One movie with Lewis Hamilton. Who? Lewis Hamilton. Never heard of him. <laughs> As a producer, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's just move into the waste, race weekend. Waste re, weekend. Jeez. Hunting rabbit. Gentlemen, Take a, a short view back to the past. 30 years ago. <laughs> Yo, it starts. Because <laughs> we always look at you to see it. 30 years ago, Nicky Lada said. <laughs> Take a monkey, put him in the car. Um, Ruben, what were your thoughts Something on this? Memorizing uh, it. I've known it from last year. No. No. <laughs> what were your thoughts, Ruben, on the race weekend as a whole? I actually enjoyed the, the whole weekend of the race. Uh, obviously, the, the the penalties that the teams brought into the, you know to this weekend just make, gave me like a little sour note because of the qualifying. You know, so much changes again happening qualifying, but the actual race was very good. Obviously, because I believe. With everything that happened during the race, it kept you engaged with this race. 
because it was a lot of like always always like uncertainty who's gonna win what is this thing doing safety cars so you know i actually had a phenomenal time and was and i actually went to the race super awake too so because we it was 3 p.m 3 p.m dancing with all the weekend the i think that the what made the race interesting was actually the fact that there were penalties and that cars had to start from the back and race through the field. So the guys we're talking about are, um, I'm sorry, Charles Leclerc. Yeah. Leclerc, Perez. 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 Those are the only two I paid attention to because all these other There were a few other ones. I think Ocon started from the back. Yeah. Ocon actually started from the pit lane. From Oh, and so uh, Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly started from, from the building. From Japanese Grand Prix. Yeah. So we had a few cars starting out of position. Pierre Gasly was in position. The back. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Gasly, as <laughs> Brundle kept Pete calling him. Gasly? That's what Brundle kept oh calling him. Oh, my God. Petey boy. Um, and also, safety cars. Um, Timely safety cars, I would say. It was an enjoyable race. I think we get... An enjoyable race every year here at Austin for the most part. I agree with that 100. percent Yeah, um, something always happens where it makes it interesting, especially at the end. It was a it was a fun race, and um, I think the crowd. I think it was what is four hundred eighty four thousand four forty four forty over the weekend. Enjoyed the weekend because it was just a fun. It, it, it the weather helped a lot too. With yeah, it's great. It was good. Put on a show. Very good show. Good old American show. <laughs> What'd you think of the crowd? You had mentioned it earlier. 440, and even before just now, 440,000 people in the U.S. to watch a Formula One race live on a f- October Sunday, mm-hmm. football season, MLB playoffs. Yeah. In which a Texas team is in the playoffs, unfortunately. Houston. Houston. <laughs> the Yankees were there. <laughs> Oh, what do you think? The crowd is is what the track was built for. Because at the beginning, when they built the track, they were not getting this high numbers of people to come in. At one point, they were taking grandstands out because those grandstands were not selling. So now they're obviously being forced to put back in. And it just shows the trend that Formula One is bringing as they go through all these different countries where they're having, I don't I could say that, you know, every place they've been to has been a sellout. They've sold out every week and this weekend. I, mean, I would love to see the numbers to see if, they, you know, that's really come true. But everywhere they go, they're breaking records in attendance. And this is us. Obviously, the football and stuff like that, and football and, play, and MLB players does not help. But it also is good to see these people show up at all these games too. Bernardo was in a basketball game. Lewis with a football game last week. I think he went to see the, you know, the, the Broncos. The Broncos. Yeah. Well, I was part of the Broncos. So, and, and it's going to be now, it's going to be, they're going to show more because some of these guys are going to come back to the U.S. from Mexico and they're going to still be around in the U.S., you know, showing showing their faces in places. And we that's what we need. We need here more faces, you know, from Formula One to, to, to hang around a little bit so Formula One could keep growing. And, then, you know, we need them to engage more with the U.S., Press and all that. Here's what I think. Um, this country is massive, and none. Nece- you don't necessarily have to have a group of people that are motorsport fans 
and they're football fans at the same time. It could be either or. So if you can tap into the casual fan and you can tap into the massive motorsport fan base that you have here with NASCAR or IndyCar or even IMSA, you can get a huge crowd together, as you have seen throughout this weekend and in Miami as well. Even though Miami was capped, I think Miami, they, they, they want to up the, the attendance, but mm -hmm. they capped that. And we'll see. What kind of attendance they'll get in Vegas, even though Vegas, it seems like somebody said you got to mortgage your house just to get a ticket there. <laughs> um, but there's such a, a huge pool of people that you can reach that are already motorsport fans and the casual fan that may be like a Netflix viewer that you can get to come to these races. And that has, that is what has, um, basically up the attendance up the viewership of f1 in this country and honestly and it's like what i mentioned it last week the drama that it creates brings in fans that are not necessarily motorsport fans and that's good for the sport all the politics and all the stuff mm -hmm. that we rage about it's actually entertaining because it's almost like a soap opera. I can imagine wrestling fans being big into that type of stuff. Exactly. Because it's a because wrestling is like <laughs> wrestling is literally a grown man soap opera. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. But this is all real life stuff. It's mm -hmm. not something that's made up. But either way, people are just looking for entertainment. And this is what it provides. And that's why Netflix's drive to survive is just so good because yeah. it allows even though we complain about it because we follow the sport week to week very intensely, it allows for those dramas to unfold. Yeah. So, I mean, but we've, we, we're seeing the marketing push plus drive to survive plus the over-exaggeration of all the drama that goes on behind, behind, behind the, the, the scenes as far as F1 politics, because that's what Drive to Survive does, and the over-exaggeration of rivalries and things that go on track and the crashes. That stuff helps people not only to get into the sport, maybe they'll understand it a little bit better. They, they'll say, okay, this is not really what happens, but this is still pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, it just keep, it keeps it going. So It just makes me think. Anytime, like, somebody pits, they always cut the tent. Oh, my God, so-and-so is coming into the pits. It makes me think of, like, uh, Jerry the King Lawler and Jim McMahon. Oh, my God, he's coming <laughs> off the top, bro. RKO! RKO! <laughs> Speaking of drama, well, drama. Uh, so qualifying, how about uh, your boy Carlos Sainz? What is Just qualifying. Yeah, what? So 100% in agreement there. Have you ever seen somebody so talented and also so unlucky? Like, Jeez, man. Uh, when he could finally put it to, he's put it together a couple of times this season. Anyway, I'm sorry. You so call it how unlucky? about how unlucky? Unlucky. You call it unlucky. Okay. You think he's lucky this season? No. Okay. He's had his fair share of luck, but I just think that last. Well, we'll get to that. Is he the new Battery Waters? No, definitely not. <laughs> I just thought about that right now. <laughs> no. Interesting. He's way more talented. A good um, number two, but not a number one. <laughs> I mean and that's the kind of the conversation do you think that Carlos Sainz who 
was signed by Ferrari for a, a relatively long-term deal as far as drivers go, can he ascend to that top spot? No. Qualifying, yes. Okay, I don't think I think that qualifying would be the least of his strengths compared to his teammate. Of course. No. So I think I just gave him the perfect name, the perfect title, the new Valtteri Bottas. I don't know. I think that he's more talented than Valtteri. I think that. No, I'm talking about the stat, the status that Valtteri had at Mercedes. He was a number two driver. Absolutely not. I don't think so because they've never. Granted, they have not had the opportunity to tell Carlos Sainz to cede the position because they're close to winning a championship. But I think that he is much more of a threat to Leclerc than Boras ever was to Hamilton. No, no. Now that you mentioned about ceding the position, he did say over the radio one time, not this way, guy, because we at least lit race. Yeah, and what so, did he do? He raced. I know, but and how did really, he knew out? the conversation was coming. Yeah. <laughs> He knew that the order was coming down the down the pipeline. I I just I just had that thought about him. He didn't know about Terry Bottas because he great qualifier, but could not come through in the race. Leclerc is just quicker than him. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Man. This year, Leclerc is just I I would say overall he's just quicker than him. He hasn't proven that he can consistently beat Leclerc in qualifying or a race. Didn't he finish on top of Leclerc last season? Yes. Yeah. In points. In points. Just the same way George Russell is going to finish on top of Lewis Hamilton, but bad luck comes into play. But it was still very close. You get me? You can get beat. But who's the number one guy in Mercedes? It ain't George Russell. It's Lewis Hamilton. Who's the number one guy? Who's the number one guy at at Ferrari? No, it's Charlie. I think there's more focus on the Ferrari side of number one, number two driver Mm -hmm. because there've been more. They're closer. They're more, this year. They've been challenging. At least at the beginning of this year, they were challenging Rebel more. They were the team. But I mean, huh, I think that's why we haven't seen that aspect of Mercedes because they're not at the top. Mm-hmm. They're not fighting for you know number one, number two right now. So mm-hmm. then they're not at a. They're not at a, on the on a spectrum to to even say uh, George let Hamilton through. You know, they're not. Well, I mean, we'll not see there. what happens. We'll see <laughs> yeah. what happens. But I, when I, we get there, then I we could, we can see about George Russell. Lewis Hamilton has been very unlucky this year as far as our results and some safety cars and some situations in the races. Okay. Not to take anything away from George because George is finishing top five almost every race. And he's had a phenomenal season. And he deserves to be one of the few guys to say, I beat Lewis Hamilton. And that's fine. But as far as who's the quickest, maybe at Mercedes is a little bit closer, but you cannot tell me that Carlos is just as quick as Charles Leclerc. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying that. Okay? And and mind you, and I'm going to say this with this preface, Leclerc has made a lot of mistakes this year. He should have way more wins. Mistakes by himself, mistakes by the team have cost him wins. However, Leclerc, when he's put in a position to win, he can bring it home. And he's shown that multiple times throughout his career. Science showed it one time. He was in pole position and he crashed out. Mind you, he got hit. He got unlucky because he got hit by 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 George. By George. By George. Hmm? But anytime he is put in that position, he doesn't come through. 
Hmm. So, and he's just not quick enough. I don't, I, so on this conversation of signs, I can agree to an extent because I feel like I see more of, and this is anecdotal. I see more of this season, Max or Perez winning the race and uh, Carlos Sainz closing in on him more so than Leclerc is what I've seen most of this season. We saw last year that, uh, and this is what I said before, Carlos Sainz was ahead of Leclerc. You have to be good and lucky to be able to win a championship. Mm -hmm. So, like, Leclerc is good, but he's just been unlucky through both the team and his own mistakes. Mm -hmm. We've seen Leclerc make mistakes that I don't know. I don't know that I've seen Carlos Sainz make the same mistakes. Like, for example, two races ago, he cut the chicane and cost himself five-second penalty. Granted, that was for second place, so it mm -hmm. didn't really matter as much. It wasn't for the race win. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen Carlos Sainz making those visible of mistakes like that. You guys could correct me if I'm wrong. No, but it's one of those things where um, I think it just has to do with driving style. The the reason why let's say a Max or a, or a Hamilton or even a Leclerc are that good is that they push it to the limit as far as those right, driving. So can, wait, let me finish. Can we put Max and Hamilton here and then Leclerc here? Yeah, I'm, that's fine. I'm not. I'm just telling you. I'm the, but the thing is that they they have considerable. They have very similar driving styles. This is why I am saying this. The reason why Leclerc has been so successful in his career is that he takes risks, just the same way Hamilton takes risks, with, especially with, with his uh, with his late braking, because he's a he's a master at that, and so does Max Verstappen, and now he's a two-time world champion. Now, the similarities between those three, and I think Charles Leclerc is going to be a future world championship given the right car, because we have to preface that in F1, given the right car, he can be a world championship champion just the same way george russell could be a world champion but you have to be able to take those risks and have enough time to be to make those mistakes and correct them and make sure that when you want to take those risks they're not costing you a race or they're not costing you a race win and i think leclerc is going through that max has already gone through that and lewis hamilton definitely went through that and now we have when we're talking about championship level drivers at the top we have two right now which are Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. They've gone through their growing pains and they've each won multiple championships. And I think that's what Leclerc is going through. But in order for you to get to that point, you have to be able to push to the limit on any racetrack and learn from the mistakes that you make. I think that you're giving... You're, you're, I don't think Carlos takes enough risks. I think you're and I don't think he has the ability to do so either. He doesn't have the car control that Max, Leclerc, or or Lewis Hamilton have. And I think George Russell's in that same category as well. He done? Yeah. You're giving Leclerc credit for something he hasn't done. Up until this year, Max Verstappen was the aggressive guy that would crash out and push people out, etc. Now, after winning the championship, now he's given the credit that he has good car control, et cetera. Lewis Hamilton, it was the same thing. He was very crashy at the start of his career, mm -hmm. and he showed that you can count on him to be very calculated in his driving, and we saw that uh, 2021, 
2022 and, and in many other seasons after he started winning his championships. I think that being able to say that, I, I think that you saying, oh, Leclerc is going through these growing, how do you know that he's going to ever finish and get to the other side? Oh, of I, I don't know. I think he will. I don't know. So I can't know. you also said that. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm saying that the way, the, the way he, the way he, the way I see him control the car when the onboards, I think he has the potential to do that, but he hasn't done it yet. You're also saying that he has a level of car control that a Max or a Lewis or even George Russell has. George Russell, right now, he has no car control. He's been he's been making mistakes over the last couple of races. This race included, showing that he's just he's not there yet. Yeah. So um, I I don't know. Like I I get that. Charles Leclerc is an incredible talent, but Carlos Sainz over the last couple of years has shown himself to be an incredibly consistent and quick driver. What you don't get from him is a lot of the mistakes that you see from Charles Leclerc. And that is what led him to be on Ferrari Mm -hmm. to be, to be upfront. That's what, when you have a guy like Charles Leclerc, you need somebody to anchor your team, but you can't have an anchor that is getting crashed into, that his engine is blowing up. Last time Plan E was announced, it was in Austria, and his his engine freaking blew up, <laughs> right? But like to to counterbalance those issues, you have cutting the chicane, speeding in the pit lane. Granted, that was a technical error. Uh, you have other stuff that like you get with Charles Leclerc that you're not getting with Carlos Sainz and. At the end of the day, yeah, this year, Charles Leclerc scored more points, but I can't in my right mind say Carlos Sainz is just that much slower because what matters is the points that you score. And you maximize the points that you score by minimizing your mistakes and how it affects you on track. Let's go back to the Valtteri Bottas. Comment that I made. Comment that you made, and, and this is true. Valtteri Bottas is a very good driver, but he doesn't take certain risks. He plays it safe. And that is good for... That is what you need as a number two driver. Carlos Sainz, I feel, is the same way. That's why I think your comparison was right on point. In order for you to get to that next level, you have to take certain risks and be comfortable with taking those risks. And that's what I think a championship driver does. So elbows out. That's what he doesn't have. That's what we have to do. Uh, I don't think elbows out because a Not lot of it comes down. Elbows out when it needs to be. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to qualifying, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is what second pole position for Carlos Sainz this season. Number two driver. That, that, but uh, that's the whole point. You need the consistency. Look at look, let's look at Red Bull, and we can say Checo is a cons- is a is one of the most consistent drivers ever. And he gets the points done, and and because of that, Red Bull has gone on to now overtake um, to now take the constructors' championship from Mercedes, who's won it in the past eight, eight years times in a row. And that's what they need. I would argue more that Mercedes took it away from themselves, and Red Bull took it from them. It could be, but you know, it, it, every year is a is a crapshoot. All right, so qualifying, Carlos Sainz finished 0.065, 65 thousandths of a second ahead of Charles Leclerc. 
They finished, oh, damn, this was all less than a second. Uh, they finished ahead of uh, Max Verstappen, uh, who finished ahead of uh, Sergio Perez and Hamilton, Russell, Stroll, Norris, Alonso, and Boras to round out the top 10. Obviously, there were a lot of uh, grid penalties, so that kind of shook things up. Um, any thoughts on qualifying before moving forward? No. Okay. So, the race. How about lap one, turn one, George Russell into the... Well, even before then. How about the start and Carlos Sainz bogging down, Verstappen taking the lead, then leading into that uh, that crash? Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Nothing. Um, obviously, Verstappen had him on the start right away. I think... Carlos Sainz did not have a great start because you could see, obviously, with the speed of the Red Bull, you could see by you started. Yeah, I would say just going forward, Carlos Sainz had himself because the Mercedes yeah. were right up on him too. Exactly, so that's pretty much where what led into the crash because he had a with the crash. He had a hard, such a horrible start that I think Josh Russell saw an opening and he tried to take it, but because of the lockup that he had, he just went into. Well, he was battling Hamilton uh, right off the start, and then obviously. Um, Signs wasn't going as fast as he expected it to because he got back down at the start. I don't. No, no, but saying he was battling Hamilton. But if, where was Hamilton? On the outside. Yeah, but he was sh- making sure that he was trying to get ahead of Hamilton. No, no, but but you're saying that for example, were you going back to the racecraft, having the experience of going which route to go to mm-hmm. better benefit you? Where Russell saw that opening by maybe cutting the the, the turn mm-hmm. short, but because Signs had to slow down also so much. I can't make it. Boom. Yeah. But meanwhile, Hamilton went out. Yeah. I mean, went out, went out past them and Experience. got through. You go yeah. through your growing pains. Um, but I don't know. It seems that the Ferraris off the line this year are slow. And I don't know if it was a driver mistake. I don't know if it was something with the car. But it's happened with Leclerc, too, where they just get beaten off the line uh, by Max. And Max just, just goes. And we know Max is an aggressive starter anyway. He's a great starter. I think he's one of the most aggressive starters in... Um, in F1, I think. No, no, when he gets it right, he gets it right. When yeah. he gets it wrong, he gets it he anti-spose. <laughs> I think him and Alonso are probably the best stars. What's crazy is that they always show the reaction times after mm-hmm. the start. And Leclerc is always faster on the reaction time. That's what I'm saying. Something's off there. Because it's not only Leclerc. It's Leclerc and Sainz when they have to get off the line. They just get off to bad starts. Spin a little bit, maybe? I don't know. I don't know what it is. But it's but it's been a constant theme throughout the entire thing. And But again, even like that, Especially the way that that Red Bull car has been de- has been developed over the season, I mean, we clearly saw that even if he did take the lead at the at the beginning, he was going to get overtaken by either Max or well, not Perez necessarily, but Max. All right. So, do you think Russell was that for? Yeah, of course. Okay, okay. It's weird that they said, "Oh, Carlos Sainz came across the front." It's like what? <laughs> what? There is the first. I think uh, what, he was just like slow. What do you guys think of the five second penalty? Too much or just right? Just right. Just right. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, Make I don't, time up. can you go any lower than that? <laughs> right. So I think it was borderline too much. Really? Because it's first lap incident. Okay. Well, I think if it would have been like a scrape and they kept going, it would have been. It would, yeah. But exactly. because of the fact because that Sainz spun. spun out, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the, the impact. Yeah, it was it was the impact of of the you know the impact that it and caused. the fact that you're out front too, you have less of an you know if you're out front you have 
Like it's different if you're causing a collision at the back because you're so tied together, but you're at the front, you still have a lot of free air at the front. So you have more of a more you have more of a chance to control the car better or control what happens. So I'm gonna go in a little bit of an unorthodox place here. Aston Martin and Sebastian Vettel's pace. Uh, I say unorthodox because typically we talk about the the winner, the big teams, etc. But, dude, Aston Martin kind of killed it this weekend, no? They have gotten better and, and better yeah. and better. Yeah. And Slowly it, but surely. Next year, their cost cap, they're going to be the 10% breach or whatever. And it, it, <laughs> again, it goes to show you the value of a good, consistent second driver. Imagine where they would have been if <laughs> Lance Stroll wasn't in that seat. Because Vettel, I think, has been driving consistently well throughout this entire year, considering how bad that car was at the beginning of the year, and they've gotten better and better and better. Every Meaning if they would have kept Paris? Yeah. Or just not have Lance Stroll in that seat. <laughs> yeah, so they went from ninth just a few races ago. Now they're sitting pretty at seventh, one point behind Alfa Romeo. And let's face it, they're going to overtake Alfa Romeo. Mm -hmm. that, That's that crazy. That was the slowest car on the grid at one point this year. Correct. Slower than the Williams, mm -hmm. which is bananas. Um, what do you guys think of... So Seb Vettel at one point led the race. Yes. Which we haven't seen that in Since years. Ferrari days. We haven't seen that in years. Um would have had even more points if he didn't have a 16-second pit stop. Jeez, man. No luck. I don't that know. sucks. Probably, he's probably going to finish sixth if he if he hadn't, uh, if that hadn't happened. No, he finished seventh, so not too... Well, he finished eighth on track, seventh after the Alonso penalty. That's crazy, though. But that's dope because... You're talking about he came out what twelve was it fourteenth or twelfth that he came out after that pit stop? It was one of those. It was he was way down and he still finished up there. And that battle between him and um Kevin Magnuson and Kevin Magnuson at the end, woof, that was classic. Yeah, I missed that one. What do you mean you missed it? That's when I got up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh my god! And yo, I'm walking to the bathroom. I thought it was Mick Schumacher. Like, they were cheering you. <laughs> they were cheering you. Hey, Rubens, go to the bathroom. Where, you made it. <laughs> Massive piss. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, the other Aston Martin car, Lance, Lance Stroll. Uh, what do we do with this guy? He uh, is, I guess, the other Canadian driver who should be booted <laughs> off the grid. Um, with uh, Fernando Alonso charging him from... That sounds horrible. Charging him from behind. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about me, huh? <sighs> he uh, does yeah. a quick little... Oh, man, this is also going to... With Fernando charging him from behind, he does a jerk to the left <laughs> wow okay. uh and ends up colliding colliding with alonzo such that alonzo's alpine car is doing a wheelie uh down the track off. yeah almost took off um kind of like a, a lafoni car when they're the getting off the line yeah. <laughs> so there was so there was great analysis on f1 tv during that during that he was looking at the telemetry during that crash when Alonso was basically on two wheels. Mm -hmm. He was going 
156 miles per hour, which is the same takeoff speed as a Boeing 747. Dude. Dude. It gives you wings. It gives you wings. That's why it was like. Yeah. Uh, Lance Stroll did receive a penalty. He'll serve it during the Mexican Grand Prix. Uh, Alpine later on sent the car, <laughs> kept the car on the track. Um, dude, it looked from the impact, it looked like the car was just toast, right? I, th- I mean, I, when you see the video, you think, okay, two cars are out. Yeah. And <laughs> this guy kept racing. Dude, <laughs> hey, I don't, <laughs> yo, Alonzo has a, you know, the funny thing is when you look at, you know, talking about the safety concerns from earlier, when you look at the mirror. It's not the mirror of the side that he hit. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other side? <laughs> the, the mirror that he lost is the mirror that did not hit the, uh, how do you call the barrier? <laughs> it just reminds me of, what was it, Baku that he was ba- in the McLaren? Yeah, and I was just about to say that. Go ahead. He has this uncanny ability <laughs> to take a car that has been completely destroyed and somehow get it into the pits, drive it out, and score points. Because with the McLaren... He was, it was, this was literally at the beginning of the lap that yes. he got two tire punctures. Mm-hmm. I think it was on the right side. I think he got sandwiched in and he had a car, you know, from well, behind, all that stuff. I, don't, I know that he had two p- tire punctures on the same side. He drove, and we know that this Baku track is super long. <laughs> he drove that car. The tires were literally shred, like, it looked like spaghetti strings of rubber shredding the floor of this car. He somehow got it back into the pits. They changed, I think they had to change the front wing. They changed wing, the wing, yeah. And they put two new tires, and he still got into the point. I think he finished like ninth or something like that during that race or something like that. It was like tenth or ninth. Back on a GP2 engine, too. <laughs> and now, the way this car almost took off, he slammed back into the ground. He hit the wall. Yeah. And somehow managed to get back into the to pits. To get back into the pits. Drive this car change into the wing. points because he was dead last. Yeah. Change the wing. Oh, it was amazing. And it just sucked for him that that mirror had to come off and he got penalized <laughs> for that. That sucked because that was an amazing drive. He probably should have gotten driver of the day because of that. I thought he should have gotten driver of the day, but better was deserving as well. Yeah. All right. So that. No, they didn't pit then, but. So Lewis Hamilton pits first to do an undercut on the Red Bull. So it was like the old days. It was Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton battling, but not really because they were like six seconds apart. Lewis Hamilton pits to undercut the the mm-hmm. Red Bull car. Max Verstappen comes in and it's an eleven second pit stop. They couldn't get. That was crazy, man. That was awesome. They the finally, whole bar just. They finally made a mistake. Finally. The whole bar just went crazy when that Of course. Um, wow. No, no, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> it was epic. Um, you know, it's funny that I, um, I'm sorry, it was, it was funny that I, in the bar it was so loud, you couldn't hear what Max was just cursing out on the radio. And I'm dying to hear that too. Because I haven't seen the video in like the, the radio from the weekend. I haven't seen that video yet. So That was a good time. <laughs> Um, that was crazy, man. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, again, back to wrestling, it's like the perfect heel, and he's getting like... Yeah. It's it's It was so funny. <laughs> All right, so they set up, it sets up the battle between Hamilton and Verstappen. Obviously, 
Verstappen's car is just too much better. A missile. It, yeah, <laughs> it's a missile. And like I think there were talks after the race that the Mercedes, it was just too draggy, couldn't keep up on the straights. Yeah, I mean, it was, he overtook Leclerc, then he overtook Hamilton. And I mean, the car is just extremely quick, especially when he had that much time left. It was like, I think it was like about 13 laps left in the yeah. race or something like that. I mean, cool to I, he was so closing in, I think, like a second and a half a lap. Oh, no, that was Paris. That was Paris. Yeah. That was... But either way, it was just, it was insane. Like it was, There was no chance. I I was hoping that Leclerc would win the race, but that wasn't not to be. Leclerc wasn't <laughs> even mentioned. Like, yeah. No, no. He was, he was prior leaving. to all of that. Prior to all of that. He was after Max that, were after battling that, for a little bit. Yeah, after, after, that, the, after that pit stop, Leclerc was in the lead, and the they were battling each other. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that, that changed. No, Hamilton was in the lead. No, wait, wait. So the first safety card shuffled a bunch of guys around, mm -hmm. and that's when Battle was in the lead. Then this. The thing is that Leclerc, no, this, when the safety was car the happened, safety car? When, the second, when the second safety car happened, Leclerc and Max came in together. Le that that was when they had the 11 second pit stop or something yes. like that mm -hmm. so Leclerc actually got yes. out before mm -hmm. Max mm -hmm. correct but obviously that Ferrari wasn't as quick so that's what happened oh yeah that's when I told you on the ball like you yeah. we're about to see what we've seen in the past between Max and Leclerc, and, Leclerc and, what yeah. and, and we saw it yeah we, we saw, saw it. a little bit of it. We, we saw, saw the battle and it just pretty much like that Leclerc has the has the he wants to do it it's just mm -hmm. the cars not there for him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because when when they were at it, they were, you know, neck to neck. Mm -hmm. But out of nowhere, the steroids on the Red Bull just come through. <laughs> yeah, that was and a just, good battle. it starts to go away. Or, or the battery finally dies on the, on the yeah, Ferrari. because yeah, he had overtaken he him at one point. Then, then uh, Leclerc overtook him real quick on that point. And mm -hmm. then the next time around, it was just, it was elementary from there. All right. So uh, similar to the Hamilton one. Yeah. When, when. Verstappen uh, came, you know, and overtook Hamilton. I thought after that turn, because Hamilton was right beside him, Hamilton was going to take him, overtake him again. And, mm -hmm. and you, he showed a little bit, but the car is not there. <laughs> I mean, that Red Bull car with Max driving it, it's just, just insane. So Red Bull, uh, 2022 Constructors Champions. whoop de doo Hold on. This is, this is crazy. Um, Because I think at one point, before last year, we were all clamoring for Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes not to win. Yeah. And now that he's not winning, and we're all cheering for Lewis Hamilton to get a win. <laughs> we all want yeah. the underdog to win. You know, so it's like, it's 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 weird how we get what we ask for, and all of a sudden when we get what we ask for, it's like it's bad. Yeah. It's just the way that it came about, for, and for everything to just flip. Yep. That's really the issue. Yeah. But it... But, I mean, listen, uh, let's just hope that Red Bull doesn't go on one of these Mercedes-style They're runs. not, because I 100% feel that next, well, I 100% feel that next year Mercedes is going to be back, no pun intended, in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. They're going to change their philosophy around that car. There was a whole video from the race. Mm -hmm. Same mm -hmm. thing. Uh, anyway. It's coming hope, down. I'm hoping that Ferrari gets their act together. Any other uh, thoughts on U.S. Grand Prix? As always, a good race. It was a very good this race. This was an excellent race. So, yeah. Mexican Grand Prix preview. Wow, saving it to the very end here. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Da, da, da. Let's go to a little bit of trivia. We got a couple of just quick questions. Mm. Uh, 
you guys should know this. What is the name of the stadium within the track? What is the name of that? Oh. El Foro Sol. Yeah, yeah, see. He got it right. <laughs> been there. Yeah. Twice. Twice has been there. Uh, how many DRS zones are across a lap of this track? It's three. You got it. You know what? I feel, I feel they added a third one last year. I feel like yes. every track has three now, except for like a certain few. That's why Monaco. Yeah. <laughs> Monaco is Singapore. Can you try to guess which driver in the current grid holds the record for the fastest lap in this track? Daniel Ricardo. Wow. Thanks for stopping. Go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, Say it. Say the name. Botas? Botas, man. Yeah, yeah. I knew it. <laughs> and he actually did it last year. Yeah. And this was probably just a, a question I got at the, at the end. Um, try to guess how many Mexicans drivers have raced in Formula One? How many How many Mexican drivers have raced? How many Mexicans have raced in Formula One? Yes. Two only. No. That's so wrong. Yes. I have no idea. No, I, I thought right off the bat you guys were going to say four because we I mean, the number is six, but right off the bat is four. The two brothers, Gutierrez the two bro- the, the and Manuel Rodriguez, they're both racing Formula One. Yeah. Oh. Gutierrez yeah, so and Perez. I thought it was that's only four. one brother. And I don't. I don't so I'm going to tell the names. What about, uh, uh, Montoya's not. No, Montoya's no, not. Colombia. So we're going to tell the six. Uh, Ricardo Rodriguez. Then between those two was a guy named Moises Solona. We never heard of that guy. Daniel Ricardo. Pedro Rodriguez. No, Daniel, Daniel Ricardo. <laughs> Rodriguez. Daniel Ricardo. Ricardo. <laughs> Pedro Rodriguez, which is the other brother. Mm-hmm. And another gentleman that I've never heard of before. His name is Hector Rabeke. You never heard of him no. before? Neither have I. Gutierrez. So that was a question. That I just, let, me, let me just throw that out to see you know, what number they would throw. Uh, a little bit of history as well. Da, 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 da. So obviously, <laughs> we're making a drop with that one. <laughs> uh, Mexico as a country is very rich in racing. They, you know, they go back to like 1962 when into Formula One. Uh, Jim Clark is a master of altitudes in Mexico. Um, they had a, an absence of 16 years, and because they needed the uh, and Man Rodriguez track needed to be reworked, and that's when the stadium zone, the stadium turns went added because mm-hmm. the way the, the turns were before it was I think it was too long and it was super dangerous right uh, obviously they came back in 2015 meaning with the support of Carlos Lynn that's when they brought the money back mm-hmm. uh, highlights highlights of this place Max is the only three time winner Dude always wins here, man. Uh, obviously uh, at the Man Rodriguez so we're talking about in seven races he's won three because they've mm-hmm. been back since 2015 no it's six races they won he won three yeah. seven will be this week uh the Mexican Grand Prix was home to Senna's 10th Grand Prix in 1990. Alonso's 250th, 250th race in 2015. Uh, 92 was Michael Schumacher's first podium. With a uh, first podium with a third place for Benetton. And let's go back again. Most wins by driver is Max. Jim Clark with three and also Max. And it's a... Uh, a Three-way tie with two, which is Alan Prost, Manson, and Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, most remember constructors, Lotus with four, followed by a three-way tie for McLaren, Williams, and Mercedes. Ferrari and Bobo, Ferrari and Ferrari could join if they win, but it's no, going to be tough. <laughs> most remember engine manufacturers, Honda with five. 
followed by a three-way tie again for four Mercedes and a, con- a company called Climax. Never heard of Climax. Uh, it's the highest altitude race with 2,240 meters. He's never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> 2,240 meters above sea level. Uh, that's about 7,500 feet, by the way. 2,240 meters. The next highest is Brazil with 765. What do you got for, for Mexico? You're under arrest. I'm under um, arrest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, uh, what is it? If Max wins this race... Be fourteen. He'd be fourteen. He would be the winningest driver in a single season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's currently tied with Vettel and, and Schumacher. Schumacher. With thirteen. Wow! So he's got three races to do. Three races to do it in. Yep. That's and, uh, crazy. He'd be the winningest driver in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. four. <laughs> yeah. Which I see them winning. Rebels. The strike always favors Rebel. In since twenty fifteen, just the card. I don't know what the way fans they air to perform, but because every other car struggles, but they're flying. Okay, predictions. I think Max is going to win. Yes, I think he's going to pull position too. Yes, Yancy. Mm. Red Bull one two. Red Bull one two. So you think a Paris podium again, huh? Mm. Yeah, that would be dope. Remember last year? No, that was crazy. It'll wow. be. It'll be. Uh, it'll be. It, he won't. I think he'll start like fourth. Paris. Yeah. Um. So it'll be Max, Paul. Max, Paul, Leclerc, Sainz, and and Paris. And Paris. Yeah. But they're going to win. They're just too quick. They're too good at this track. Um, so the race is going to be a Red Bull 1-2 with Max winning, Perez, and then Leclerc in third. Hmm. Interesting. No Mercedes. Mercedes sucks at this track. Just, just going off of the... The way the they usually, updates they favor u- them this weekend. They usually because the updates they brought worked. Well, they, the thing is that they usually their engine usually struggles in either high air, altitude yeah. or <laughs> high heat. So well, it doesn't have enough oxygen going through that engine. They struggle. So I think that Mercedes is not going to do well on this track. To be honest, hmm. if they do, that'll be a surprise to me. I think obviously you have Max and Paul, Leclerc second. I would say Paris third, Sainz fourth. Race win, it'll be Max Paris. I'll say Hamilton, just because I don't want to say any Ferrari guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and on that note, make sure to follow us at JumpStartF1, <laughs> Instagram and Twitter, and uh, on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to leave us a review. That's how we're discovered. Uh, race week. Peace. Thank you.